0: And we are back in right here with Priority Talk Radio, Greg Davis, Truth 101, WXJC. And we are always excited to visit with Mr. Gary Chapman. Of course, uh, we know him from the five love languages and all the other books that he's written over the years. Um, But, of course, uh, the New York Times, uh, the continual uh, bestseller, and uh, he being a number one New York Times bestseller. So, uh, Mr. Chapman, always good, my friend. Thank you, sir.
1: Well, thank you, Greg. It's good to be with you again.
0: Yeah, people still getting the five love languages, I assume.
1: (laughs) You're right, man. Every year it sells more than the year before.
0: How is – what a phenomenon.
1: (laughs) It's been going on for 30 years. It's been published in 60 languages around the world now. Every year more
0: than the year before.
1: (laughs) Yep, yep.
0: My goodness. Well – I love what you do. You help us in our relationships and uh, you have just uh, not only in the church, but you you go way outside the church uh, with what you give us. And uh, it reaches more people than I think probably anybody uh, when it comes to relationships. And you've done it again. Uh, You're talking to us about how to have a healthy family and uh, how we can do that, the steps we can take. Uh, So let's talk about it. Um, Now, this is marriage and parenting, all of that. So you've told us before that the early years of your marriage weren't so great uh talk to us about uh how, how things changed and what you did to uh to now uh, have been married how many years let me, let me keep up
1: 62 years greg wow amazing <laughs> my wife says that's impossible because she's only 49 <laughs> <laughs> take
0: us take us on the journey because i know you've told us before the first few, first oh, few yeah. years were not so great
1: yeah, yeah, no, no. We had lots and lots of conflicts uh, during those years, and we didn't know how to solve conflicts because when you're in love, you don't think you'll have conflicts. So we ended up arguing, you know, because I knew I was right, and she knew she was right. We <laughs> tried right. to convince each other, and uh, so we had an experience that a lot of couples go through, and just real struggles in our relationship. And it didn't turn, it didn't turn around overnight. I mean, it was some time into our marriage when. I began to realize, you know, this is not working. We got to do something different. And I just kind of said to God, you know, I don't know what else to do. And when I did, there came to my mind uh, an image of Jesus on his knees washing the feet of his disciples. And I really sensed God saying, that's the problem in your marriage. You don't have the attitude of Christ. Mm-hmm. Hit me like a ton of bricks, because I remember what Jesus said when he stood up. He said, you call me teacher and, and, and Lord, and you're right. But in my kingdom, this is what a leader does. A leader serves. And I said, oh, God, forgive me with all of my study in theology. I was in seminary, starting to be a pastor. I've missed the whole point, you know. And I said, please give me the attitude of Christ toward my wife. And in retrospect, it was the greatest prayer I ever prayed about my marriage because God changed my heart toward her. And I began three questions, made it practical. When I was willing to ask these three questions, my marriage began to turn around. Simple questions. Mm -hmm. Honey, what could I do to help you? Second question, how could I make your life easier? Third question, how could I be a better husband? And when I was willing to ask those questions, she gave me answers. And when I began responding to those (laughs) answers, it didn't happen overnight. But within three months, she started asking me those three questions. And our marriage went up from there.
0: So it's better to ask the question than to answer the question. Uh, You could have easily said, uh, honey, here's what you can do to help me. Uh, Here's what uh, you can do to make my life easier. And here's uh, how you can be a better wife. But uh, that's, that's, uh, that's upside down, right?
1: Absolutely. You know, if a husband or a wife, I don't care which one starts it, but if a husband or a wife takes that attitude and asks those questions, there's a good chance, if you respond to those questions in a positive way, that your spouse will begin to ask you those questions. It might be three months. It might be longer. I don't know. But love stimulates love. You know, the Scriptures say we love God because God first loved us. The same principle is true in marriage. You love somebody in a meaningful way, serving them in a way that's meaningful to them, Chances are they're going to be reciprocating to you.
0: And it's in that way that's meaningful, which was really sort of the, uh, the core of, of the five love languages, which if people yeah. haven't heard the story, you didn't just come up with these out of the blue. Qu- quickly tell people how those came about.
1: No, they came about through my counseling where they would sit in my office and one of them would say, I just feel like he doesn't love me or she doesn't love me. And the other would say, I don't understand that i do this and this and this and this. Why, why would they not feel loved? And I just heard it over and over. So I went back through my notes, finally, in this red. Uh, when someone said, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me, what did they want? What were they complaining about? And their answers fell into five categories. And I later called them the five love languages and started using it in my counseling. That if you want her to feel love, you've got to express love in her language. If you want him to feel love, you've got to speak his language. And I would help couples discover their language and challenge them to go home and try it. And sometimes they'd come back in three weeks and say, Gary, this, this is just changing the whole climate in our relationship. So yeah, it's, uh, I think because it speaks to that deep human need to feel loved by the significant people in our lives. Well, and if you're married, the person you would most like to love you is your spouse.
0: No doubt, and uh, if you're not familiar or if you haven't really delved into the five love languages, Do that at uh, his website, 5, the number 5, lovelanguages.com. It's easy to find. It's all over the place. But uh, you can go right there to the website and great resources, and uh, uh, you can learn all about uh, these, uh, these five languages of love. All right, let's talk about these five traits that help create a healthy family. You've got them in your new book. It's a love language resource, The Five Traits of a Healthy Family. Tell us about them.
1: Well, you know, I really wrote this book because in my counseling I've encountered so many, many people who grew up in a very dysfunctional family. And they will say to me, you know, I grew up in a dysfunctional family. You know, my father was an alcoholic or my mother was this and whatever. And I don't know what a healthy family looks like. I mean, I don't know how to have a healthy family. So I wrote this book for people that would like to get a picture of what a healthy family looks like. And then I give practical ways on how to build that kind of relationship. So the first one is an attitude of service, which we were talking a bit about earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, In a healthy family, the husband will have an attitude of service toward the wife. She will have the same attitude toward him, and they will find ways to serve each other. They will serve the children. As the children get older, they teach them how to serve each other and how to serve mom and how to serve dad. And then eventually we take that outside the family once we have the concept and our children have the concept our family is all about serving people and we're going to serve not only each other we're going to serve people outside the family so we take them to food pantries for example and let them help you know organize food baskets and that sort of thing and uh, when we do we're teaching our children a fundamental principle of adulthood particularly from a christian perspective we are here to serve others jesus said about himself I did not come to be served I came to serve and, and of course give my life a ransom for others so we're following his model when we have this attitude in our family and then we take it outside serving other people that's a that's a part of a healthy family in fact I think it's fundamental to a healthy family
0: well talking about serving uh, another word here is sharing um, and you, you start the book off talking about um, someone who came to live in your home to observe your family. Sh- share what you can of that story. I thought it illustrated yeah. <laughs> a powerful principle.
1: Yeah, there was a young guy. He finished uh, college, and he was he came with two, other, two or three other guys to our city and got summer jobs, and they came to our church. That's how I met him. Well, he actually landed a job teaching in school, public school, the, that fall. And he said to me, He said, Gary, you know, I grew up in a dysfunctional family. You know, my father was an alcoholic, and and I I don't have any concept of what a healthy family looks like. And I wonder if you would allow me to just move in and live with you all for a year so I could observe your family. And I said what any wise husband would say. Well, let me talk to my wife about that. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Uh That's right. So I talked to Carolyn, and she said, well, you know, Gary, that, that might be a good thing to do. And I said, but Carolyn, where's he gonna sleep? We only have three beds, and they're already full. We had two kids. She said, well, the whole basement's empty. We could just put a wall in down there and make a room out of it. I said, yeah, yeah, I guess we could. And uh, she said, I said, what, what about the children? What, what do you how do you think it'd impact the children? She said, well, it might be good for them to have a big brother, you know. In the hmm. house. And I and so we talked to the kids, and the kids, yeah, they liked it. So we invited him to come and live with us for a year, and he observed everything. He he saw us at morning at breakfast. I would always read a verse of scripture at breakfast, whether we were awake or not. And <laughs> he saw that, and he saw us at night when we sat down as a family and had a devotional time together with the children You're based on their age, doing different things. And, and he saw Carolyn and I interfacing with each other. He saw me washing dishes, and, and we, we made him a part of the family. Like He had his chores to do, his services to do in the family, you know. And he told me, uh, you know, years later, he said, Gary, I don't know what my life would have been like uh, if I had not spent that year with you all, Mm. because he got married, he had children, you know, he went on, had a a great life. Uh, But yeah, so we were, you know, we were serving him by sharing our life with him. And I don't mean that we were perfect, you know, but he he, he observed, you know, where we were. Mm. I was just glad... He didn't do that those first two or three years when we were struggling because he probably never would have gotten married if he'd have seen us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, it just just dawned on me, all these years, uh, you and I have been visiting like this, uh, interviewing, and I should have been interviewing Carolyn all these years, probably. (laughs) I I need to get, at least uh, some of the times, I need to get her perspective on some of this stuff.
1: (laughs) What would she think of that? I think you would find she affirms pretty much what I say. Yeah. As a matter of fact, she edits all of my books. Nothing ever go out of my house until she's edited it. So, you know, we 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 agreed we agreed years ago. If we're going to help people, we need to be honest about our own struggles, you know, yeah. and be realistic with people. Well,
0: so, that's yeah. that's uh, that's how you stay married sixty two years. And yep. uh, in the book, you do talk about uh, husbands and wives and intimacy. Uh, so talk about true intimacy and um, and and how that become how that happens
1: Yeah, you know, I think when many people hear the word intimacy They think about the sexual part of marriage, mm-hmm. but intimacy is far more than that You know when God said about Adam and Eve the two or or he was talking to them that two will become one flesh I mean that's deep intimacy But but it, it involves the whole of life it, it, for example, it's intellectual intimacy sharing our thoughts, our feelings, our ideas, our, our, our dreams with each other. And some couples have lost that. They don't have it because they would share an idea, and their spouse would say, well, that won't work, or that's not right. And they ended up arguing about it, you know, rather than hearing each other out. In a healthy uh, family, the husband and wife's going to have intellectual intimacy. They can share their thoughts with each other and, and, and talk about it. They'll have emotional intimacy. They'll be sharing their emotions, positive and negative, with each other, and they'll be seeking to meet each other's emotional needs. For example, the need for love—you know—that's where the love language just comes in. So it's emotional intimacy, and it's uh, it's social intimacy. It's doing things together socially. Uh, maybe you don't like the symphony, but she loves the symphony, but you go with her because you want to spend time with her and do something that she enjoys. And for, before long, you learn what a nobo is, you know. <laughs>
0: Right.
1: So it's doing things with other people. You know, church has a social aspect because you're going to the worship together and then you're you know, sitting in a smaller class together, I hope. so, and, and and that brings up spiritual intimacy. We're sharing our walk with God. And I don't mean we preach to each other. I don't mean we say, I read this this morning and you need to hear this. No, 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 no. no. You know, it's, honey, I read this this morning. It was so meaningful to me. Can I share this with you? It's just sharing our walk with God. And then, yes, there is physical intimacy. But physical intimacy is impacted by whether or not we have all these other areas of intimacy. But in a healthy family, there will be these five different areas, and all of them, we will have a sense of being one. And I don't mean we agree on everything. You know, we agree to disagree, and and we don't have to force each other to agree on everything. So there will be that kind of intimacy in a healthy family
0: well absolutely dr gary chapman is our uh, guest it's five traits of a healthy family it's the latest love language resource and you can find those at the uh, five love languages uh, website or uh, just look gary chapman on amazon you'll find uh, the many books there and uh, you'll be blessed by any of them all right uh, dr chapman i'm going to take a quick break come back on the other side for a few more moments when we come back let's talk parenting a little bit is that okay
1: Sure. I Let's give up it. for that.
0: All righty. Hang on, folks. It's priority talk. Greg Davis here with you, visiting with author of the Five Love Languages is now Five Traits of a Healthy Family. Gary Chapman. We are back in, and we continue to visit with Gary Chapman. Uh, you know uh, the Five Love Languages, and uh, the latest love language resource is now available: Five Traits of a Healthy Family. And uh, we've been just kind of talking uh, generally about this, and then talking about intimacy uh, with husbands and wives. And um, now let's talk parenting. Uh, In the book, uh, that's one of the five traits of a healthy family are parents who guide. Uh, Talk to the parents out there. Uh, In this day and time, you've been doing this now for over six decades, Uh, and what I love about you is you've you've never got disconnected from really doing this. You're still counseling families. You're still on staff with the same local church. You've been living in the same house in the same neighborhood for a long time. You're still in touch. Uh, you got kids and grandkids. Talk to us about, talk to the parents out there. What do we need to know about having a healthy family?
1: Well, you know, it's our responsibility as parents to teach and train our children. We need to think in terms of, we have 18 years to get them ready for adulthood. Now I know they're not fully developed at 18, I understand that, but at 18, typically, they're gonna go off to the university, they're gonna join the military, or they're gonna get a job. And so we gotta think along those lines. So we want to teach and train them the things we believe are important for them. And remember, just as God gives us guidelines, you know, God says, don't do this, but do this. And all those grow out of his love for us. So out of our love, we have guidelines for our children. And we teach and train. That is, we use words, teaching words, and training, actions. And you put those two together. Uh, You know, for example... Uh, Let's say a mother's fixing dinner. She goes to the door and she says, Johnny, dinner. And little Johnny just keeps playing. And then she goes back a second time and says the same thing. And a third time and says the same thing. And he just keeps playing. The fourth time, she says, Johnny, get home. And little Johnny comes home. Why did he come home on number four and not the first three? Because he learned when Mother says, get home, If he doesn't come home, she will come down there, take him by the hand, and walk him home. And he doesn't want mother in the neighborhood, so he comes home. Now, if you want him to come home on the first call rather than the fourth call, it's fine with me if you want to call him four times. But if you put the action with number one that you normally put with number four, they'll come home on number one. Hmm. You will not go down but one time and walk him home, and he'll come home on number one. It's actions and words, you know, putting them together. Uh, we, for, for example, when my son was a teenager, I would go down once a month to the Juvenile Detention Center on Saturday night and play ping-pong with young men who were in detention. I started taking them with me, and we'd uh, play ping-pong, and then we'd sit around and just talk to you know one or two of the guys, and they'd tell us their story and how they ended up there. And we would ride home, and I would just say, you know, Derek, think about it, man. That guy was your age. Mm. Yeah, and what I'm trying to teach him is there's consequences when you do wrong. You know, when you when you break the law, there's consequences. Yeah, and so it, it's it's words and actions together that teach our children how to live in a responsible manner.
0: Yeah, I had a similar um, opportunity with my son. Uh, I'm going to guess he was about ten or eleven, maybe, and uh, we were out. We were actually at a ball game, and uh, some uh, some I'm, I'm assuming probably college student, young you know young man was being arrested, and instead of sort of avoiding it or getting around it, I just sort of kind of went that direction. We stopped, and I had a similar conversation with him, and I said, you know why he's in that position? And we just had that conversation, and uh, and he still tells me that made an impact on him, you know, and go, you know, he doesn't have to be there. He decided uh, he was going to be the authority and not follow authority and not fall under, uh, you know, the consequences that are there. And so uh, you see what's happening. So, yeah, as a parent, you have to take uh, those opportunities that present themselves. And sometimes you can create them, but uh, sometimes they just find you, don't they?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Just keep your eyes and ears open. Yeah, I would cut out articles in the newspaper. If I saw a teenager was uh, under the influence of alcohol driving a car, and he got killed or he killed yep. somebody else, I'd just cut it out. i say, Derek, you might want to read this, son. This is really sad.
0: Well, that is... Uh, where do you think most parents are missing, you know, which, which end is, is being missed the most, you think? The, the teaching, the training, or is it both? Is there one or the I, other I think that in, it, I think in this day can and time? I think it can be both. Yeah.
1: I think it can be both. You know, I, I do think, you know, we tend to tell our children what we, what we want them to, to know and just assume that they get it. Uh, but I think if you don't put both of them together, uh, they may, they may pick up on just words, but putting them both together, words and actions, they're far more likely to pick up on what you're saying.
0: Yeah, and you talk about the gift of honor as well, uh, uh, to, show, uh, to teach your children to show honor and respect. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, I think in a healthy family, children will show respect for parents and will honor the parents. Now, I think respect comes first, the honor comes a little later, I think. Uh, and I think as parents, we have to recognize and accept the reality. We are the authority in the home, not children. Three-year-olds are not supposed to be in charge of families. We have the responsibility to have rules that we think are healthy for them, some things they don't do, some things they do, just like God gave to us. But we also should tell the child what the consequences will be if they break the rule, so that they know and you know what the consequences will be. For example, if you say to the child, now, we're not going to throw the ball inside the house. We play ball in the backyard, but we don't throw the ball in the house. If you throw the ball in the house, then the ball has to go in the trunk of the car for two days, and you won't be able to play with it. And if you break something, we'll have to pay for it out of your allowance. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah, the kid understands that. They get that. Yep. So if they do throw the ball, then you just say, You know, Johnny, you know I'm going to keep the rules, but this time you broke the rule, remember? And he remembers, she remembers, you know. and you say, now, you remember what has to happen, right? They start crying, and they nod their head yes. You say, okay, let's go put the ball in the trunk of the car, because when you break the rule, you have to suffer the consequences. And I don't know what the vase will cost that was broken, but we'll have to find out and take it out of your allowance. But listen, man, I love you, and you used to keep the rules. I love you. You kind of wrap it in love, mm-hmm. but you let them suffer the consequences. And they learn then to respect you as the authority. You know, I talk with public school teachers who say to me, Gary, I spend half my time just trying to keep order in the room so yeah. I can teach. Absolutely, because they don't respect they don't respect the teacher. So if they don't learn to respect parents as being the authority, then they won't respect other authority figures in their lives.
0: Uh, Gary Chapman, it's five traits of a healthy family, the latest uh, love language resource. Um, and let's just talk to husbands uh, finally. And, and you, you address all of these separately—the uh, these uh, five uh, traits—and uh, deals with uh, all the things we're talking about: marriage and husbands and wives and kids and parenting. Uh, but let's talk about husbands. Uh, we need husbands uh, to lead out and to love, and that's the way you break it break it down, so we can have a healthy family. Talk about. Uh, Uh, the leader of the family. Uh, We've talked about love, but that's controversial. A lot of women have a hard time understanding that, and men do as well.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think in a healthy family, the husband will will be a loving leader. But don't ever separate those two words. Mm -hmm. I think think many men have, have tried to make it contemporary, and they say, you know, when the Bible says the husband's the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, well, that means that he's the president. You know, she's the vice president. Or he's the general who tells her what to do. <laughs> no, no, no. What did, the, what did Jesus do as the leader of the church? He died for the church. Mm-hmm. It's loving leadership. And so the husband takes the lead in loving his wife, seeking to minister to her needs, and to the children. And I don't know many wives that will turn away from a husband who leads like that now if we if we apply it and say, "Well, he's the dictator, you know he makes the decisions, he has the final word, and all this kind of stuff. yeah, I mean, women are going to rebel against it, and they should, uh but loving leaders, and I've been many wives have said to me, I just wish he would take more leadership, you know, especially in the spiritual area. I hear that you know i wish I wish he would initiate having devotions with the family or you know initiate uh getting the children in a youth program or something. They, they would like for him to take more leadership in, in that area, uh, as long as you know, in the other areas also, if he has a loving attitude.
0: Well, absolutely, and that is the kind of uh, love and leadership, loving leadership, that's needed in our families. And uh, men, uh, we've really got to step up. Look, I, this book, there's not a family unit out there, Christian or non-Christian, that couldn't benefit. Uh, from this book, Five Traits of a Healthy Family. It is chock full of the kind of advice that you're hearing Gary Chapman share with us here on the program, and uh, we really encourage you to get it. Uh, it's the number five, so just fivelovelanguages.com would get you there to the to the site. And Gary, pretty much everything's available there, right? I mean, they can find it other places, but every, they can go through there and yeah. find everything.
1: Yeah, all of my books, there's a, there's a blurb on all my books there, and they can order them from uh, Moody Publishers there or they can go to Amazon and find them as well.
0: Yeah. Well, it's always a pleasure to visit with you, and as I told you earlier, uh, you keep writing them and uh, get, putting this good stuff out there for us families and uh, helping us with our relationships, and we'll certainly keep visiting with you because it's our honor to do so, and uh, we get a lot of encouragement from you and a lot of wisdom from you, and uh, we thank you for uh, the many the, the decades now, over six decades of, uh, of, of kind of being <laughs> in this kind of family business.
1: Well, in my family, yes. Now, in helping others, it's been more like 40 or 45 years. Forty-five years. Year. Yeah, your family. <laughs> that's
0: right. That's right. Uh, so yeah. uh, we are uh, certainly blessed. Uh, thank you, sir, and uh, we'll do it again uh, when the time is right.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Greg, and keep up the good work. I appreciate what you're doing.
0: Of course. Thank you.